Well, good afternoon and welcome to Your DIY Health on the Spreaker Radio Network and simulcasting on Free Conference Call. I'm your host, Sergeant Jim Ram, retired. You can call me Sarge. It is Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. I made it back from my uh, retiree's breakfast in time, and we are live. And this program is meant to present natural healing information only and is in no way meant to replace the advice of a competent medical professional, assuming you can find one. I search for and present to my listeners natural modalities that simply assist and augment the body's ability to heal itself. The body wants to fix itself. The body knows how to fix itself. It has a God-given innate ability to do so. The only thing that's missing is the raw materials. And when you put those back into the mix, stand back and wait to be amazed because your body's going to do some really cool stuff. Now you can visit my website at yourdiyhealth.com. That's Y-O-U-R-D-I-Y, like do-it-yourself, health h-e-a-l-t-h your diy health.com and there's all kinds of information there all the products we talk about are there including the itera care device which is featured prominently at the top of the home page and there's lots of information about that we have uh, downloadable flyers and brochures link to a youtube playlist with 140 plus videos talking about the technology how it's used and testimonials from people all over the world that have had fantastic results using these things and there's also a link to the dedicated website which uh, has more information more testimonials and the order now button suggest you just follow the prompts don't be in a hurry uh, take your time and uh, you shouldn't have any trouble at all you should have your wand in two to three days and you'll have fun from that point forward now also uh, while you're on the main website be sure and hit the radio shows tab and at the top of the page is the link to the archive page set up through castbox.fm and uh, the hmm, there's close to 1400 shows up there now if i remember right and uh, they're all shareable via email and social media and then right below that is the rumble button and every show that we've done in the month of october is archived on rumble and uh, we encourage people to uh, go there follow the uh, page and uh, like some videos to help uh, get the uh, information to spread farther and wider the more likes and whatnot you get the more people get uh, other people find out about it and they can learn how to restore their health naturally using science-based clinically verified medical nutrition and terahertz frequencies and avoid all the dangerous drugs and surgery and witchcraft and sorcery propagated by the american murder association and the medical deities and also um if you scroll down a little further, you'll see the information on the shows we do when they're on and how you listen. And then at the bottom of the page is the link to the Facebook page set up for the show, as well as the Telegram channel. Now, keep in mind the topics discussed and opinions mentioned on this show are those of the host and or guests and don't necessarily represent the opinions of the Spreaker Radio Network, Free Conference Call, Rumble, any of the other platforms where shows are on, or the uh, any of the alphabet agencies out there listening in. Nothing we say in this show should be construed as an attempt to diagnose, treat, or cure any kind of a health or wealth issue. It's all here for your education and entertainment purposes only, so that as a responsible adult, you can use this show as a jumping-off point to do your own research and due diligence to make sure that what you're doing and what you're trying is right for you. Now, also, the number to call into the show uh, during the live shows is 937-518-9005. That's 937-518-9005, and that's during the live shows only. I'll have to get this posted on the website now that I'm thinking about it. Um, It's provided by free conference call and only is functioning while the free conference call app is open on my computer. 
So when the show's over, I close the app and then the phone line goes away. But uh, if you're listening on Spreaker or any of the other live platforms, then if you want to call into the show, 937-518-9005 is the number to do that. All righty then. Um, you know, I've been getting a lot of information in the last few days about the stars are falling. <laughs> That's right. We have more and more and more um, people who um, at one time were pushing the jabs like crazy and now have mysteriously keeled over dead. Uh, one of the most recent was Matthew Perry of Stars fame. He was Chandler Bing, or excuse me, uh, Friends fame. Uh, he was Chandler Bing on the uh, on the Friends uh, sitcom. And, you know, I figured when I first heard about this a couple of days ago, uh, he allegedly, I think it was Saturday or Sunday of last weekend, um, was found dead in his jacuzzi. And, of course... Uh, well, this is this. I'm just going to read this letter I got uh, from the uh, America's Frontline Doctors. And it's addressed to me. It says, Dear James, <laughs> last week we wrote to you about the many unexplained deaths we documented that are dismissed as sudden adult death syndrome or SADS by unethical doctors and the, unbi or the biased media. This week, we find ourselves once again compelled to add another prominent name to that list, actor Matthew Perry. Perry was a staunch proponent of the COVID vaccine, known for wearing and selling COVID vaccine-related t-shirts that said, could I be any more vaccinated? And if you, uh, if you ever watched the show, that was one of his... Uh, trademark phrases i guess you could say you know could i be any more this or that you know he really emphasized could i be and in this case could i be any more vaccinated imagine that and you know um i heard not too long ago that um jennifer aniston who played rachel green on the show uh was so staunch um pro-vaccine that she threatened to defriend <laughs> and just uh, cut out of her life completely anybody who was silly enough to be unvaccinated. So I'm sure that Matthew wanted to be Jennifer's friend, and uh, I don't know if that was the reason or if he was just stupid enough all on his own to get the jab, but whatever the case, um, imagine that. He uh, has now passed away at the age of 54, and right on cue, um, you have national publications demonizing anyone who would dare suggest a link between his death and the vaccines. From the Rolling Stones, we get twisted anti-vaxxers. <laughs> Rush to blame Matthew Perry's death on COVID jabs. Vaccines. Um, this type of sensationalism is meant to draw attention away from the real concerns, the skyrocketing excess mortality in people in the prime of their life. Let us remind ourselves, it has always been very uncommon for people to suddenly just drop dead. The most misleading headline immediately after the star passed away was, Matthew Perry drowns in jacuzzi. <laughs> now, an able-bodied adult male does not just drown in his home jacuzzi when all he's got to do is stand up. <laughs> you know, it's not too deep for him. Oh, my goodness. I'll tell you what. Something happened. 
and it's alarming that the media finds more comfort in speculating that Perry had overdosed, and he's been clean for years, than that he had a sudden unexplained cardiac event. According to Our World in Data, 104,000 more Americans died from unexpected died unexpectedly for the year ending in April 30th, 2023. Across the world, the same time period, 52,427 more Brits, 81,028 more Germans, and 17,731 more French died than expected. And no one disputes any longer that the shots are linked to sudden cardiac death. And we've got proof from the FDA <laughs> that was released two months before the jabs were that basically say that. And while the world is grappling with countless issues, the silence surrounding this disturbing trend is deafening. We refuse to stand by and watch as the rising excess mortality of those in their prime goes unnoticed and unaddressed. It's a crisis that demands our attention. While Matthew Perry's tragic passing may or may not be linked to the vaccine, we don't want to be silenced or we won't be silenced by media attempts to quash discussion. We stand for the freedom to ask the tough questions and demand evidence-based answers. Your support is vital as we continue to champion responsible journalism, credible research, and the truth about vital health issues, including vaccine safety. Signed, Simone Golden, of course, it has the uh, ubiquitous Donate Now button. But, you know, I find that rather interesting. And uh, in the process of researching this, I also came across someone else who um, passed away recently. As a matter of fact, it was on September 23rd of this year, I believe. Um, actor David McCallum, who was first, you know, got his first claim to fame as playing uh, Ilya Kuryakin, the sidekick to... Um, uh, What's his name? Uh, Napoleon Solo, I think his name was, uh, who was uh, from the man from Uncle back in the 60s. And played. he was a Scottish actor that played in a whole bunch of different things, you know, different roles around the world, but uh, really came back in, I think it was 2003, when he got the part of uh, Donald Ducky Mallard, Dr. Donald Ducky Mallard, the uh, proverbial ME medical examiner for uh, NCIS and um, he was on that show for 20 years I think he retired um, around the year it was either 1999 or 2000 and um, and just had little spot parts after that um, but he passed away on September 23rd of this year of course he was um, I think 90 years old but they say natural causes. Hmm. Could be a heart attack, but you can bet that everybody on that set has had the COVID jabs because most Hollywood productions crew and you know won't let you on the site unless you've been jabbed. And of course, everybody during the time frame that it was you know COVID was going on, they were all wearing their masks on the show and all that kind of stuff. But uh, old Ducky passed away here and uh, may or may not have been related to the jab. And um, just I uh, just got this today, again, from America's Frontline Doctors. Stars are falling. Soap opera star dead at 50 from cardiac event. 
and I'm going to the website to get the whole story from them. But let's see here. Emmy Award-winning television actor Tyler Christopher died suddenly from a cardiac event. His co-star Maurice Bernard confirmed on Instagram Tuesday. It is with great sadness that we share the news of the passing of Tyler Christopher, Bernard wrote, or Bennard wrote, excuse me. Tyler passed away this morning from a, following a cardiac event in his San Diego apartment. Christopher went on uh, won a daytime enemy for his role in on General Hospital, uh, after which he joined the cast uh, of Days of Our Lives. The stars are falling. Netizens commented on social media Tuesday, referring also to friend star Matthew Perry's sudden death on Saturday. Perry was found dead in his jacuzzi after suffering an apparent cardiac arrest. Well, finally, we're getting some information here. There were no signs of drugs or foul play. The 54-year-old who played Chandler Bing on the hit 90s sitcom had played a two-hour round of pickleball earlier in the day. Media operatives are slamming those who suggest that the COVID-19 vaccine, known for causing sudden cardiac events, may have played a role. Perry used his friend's fame to promote the vaccine in 2021 when he offered T-shirts which read, Could I be any more vaccinated? The line played off the star's iconic line in the show and was printed on in the friend's font. Perry was joined in his vaccine advocacy by Friends co-star Jennifer Aniston, who said she cut ties with any of her friends who did not receive the injections. I used to have better hope for her. I should have known better. Twisted anti-vaxxers rushed to blame Matthew Perry's death on COVID vaccine, reported Rolling Stone on Saturday, claiming there is no basis for presuming the mRNA vaccine may be a factor in sudden cardiac arrests. (laughs) Except there is. And it was something that was put out by the FDA in October of 2020. But that doesn't make any difference. Uh, But the publication excluded a Massachusetts Institute of Technology study last year, which found a 25% increase in cardiac events in young men entirely correlated to the COVID shots. The uh, The state of Florida, in a statement recommending against vaccinating males age 18 to 39, cited their own investigation that showed an 84% increase in relative incidence of cardiac-related death among males 18 to 39 years old within 28 days of an mRNA vaccination. Oh, but that doesn't matter. That's all. That's just garbage. (laughs) Doesn't make any difference if it came from MIT or, you know, somewhere else. No, No good. But the publication excluded, oh, excuse me, got ahead of myself, or behind myself there. In another study of Pfizer's and Moderna's randomized control trials, Pfizer vaccine recipients were found to have four times as many cardiac arrests as those in the control group. Furthermore, a recent report from Good Science has found that there have been 1,884 cardiac arrests among athletes around the world since the introduction of the COVID-19 jabs. 70% of whom have died. According to a May analysis of uh, news reports from January 2021 through April 2023, 1,310 out of 1,884 athletes who suffered cardiac arrest died, an average of 561 athletes annually. And we didn't have anything like that prior to COVID. Over half of these appear to have occurred along among football players. 
These include 38-year-old former NFL star uh, Uche Nawari, I think it is, who uh, called for the unvaccinated to be imprisoned. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Other recent reports have shown a disturbing increase in cardiac events among athletes. A 2021 analysis from Israeli publication Real-Time News reported a five-fold increase in sudden cardiac and unexplained deaths among FIFA players that year alone. Goodness gracious. And that's where the article ends, apparently. But, uh, so we've got in the last couple of months three very well-known, um, well, two really well-known and one soap opera star who, I suppose if you watch Days of Our Lives or um, General Hospital, you might remember them. Um, I don't watch those things, so I have no clue who they are. But um, we obviously are seeing an increase. And, of course, it's not surprising because Hollywood uh, was such a big group that pushed these jabs heavily and it only stands to reason if they were pushing them they were probably taking them too and uh, thinking that they could use their so-called celebrity as a way to sucker other people into taking these things and it wouldn't surprise me that there were enough boobus americanas to uh, be silly enough to follow the lead of some people like uh, jennifer anderson and, and matthew perry and whoever else but uh, hopefully there are more people out there that are gathering some common sense and realizing that uh, these people are nothing more than people that can memorize lines and spit them back out. But they, you know, they're not scientists. They're not doctors, you know, any kind of doctor. Um, They don't uh, bear any more, you know, just because somebody is good at, um, you know, reading their lines doesn't mean that they're someone that you should take medical advice from and follow but uh there are fools out there who will oh rachel said to do this i've got to do it (laughs) okay uh enjoy your short life makes me wonder when she's going to keel over um oh there'll be a weeping wailing and gnashing of teeth when that happens i'm sure but as it is, it is. Oh, my goodness. Oh, look at that. Matthew Perry, uh, Kirby says, Matthew Perry received $20 million per year from syndication. Yeah, so a thing I wrote the, read the other day is that they were at the high point of the show. Uh, Friends stars were making a million dollars per episode. <laughs> Man, that's a chunk of change. And... Uh, it is what it is. Also, you know, check out the chat room. Uh, Carl says, if you're on the carnivore diet, may be interested in this. And they're carnivore snacks, S-N-A-X. Carnivore chips. Uh, try your delicious carnivore chips and carnivore snacks. They melt in your mouth. From steak to lamb, we have a variety of different carnivore chips to taste. Hmm. I'll check that out. Um, that was one of the things I was kind of thinking about this morning when I went to my breakfast because um norm you know normally i have something that was uh not carnivore friendly it was more um carb friendly and there were a couple eggs and some cheese in it but other than that it was pretty much carbs 
And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. But the first item on the menu, two eggs and sausage. <laughs> and it came with toast. But I said, no toast, just the eggs and the sausage. And it was a nice snack. And it was less than what I normally would buy. So, uh, you know, because I, I don't usually eat but once a day. Except for this meal uh, on the first Wednesday of each month. So, uh I was there, and I didn't have any problems eating carnivore-friendly. Pretty much been sticking to it since last Tuesday. And uh, still, um, I started out last Tuesday. I was 195 on the scale, and this morning is 188. So uh, it's seven pounds, I believe. Uh, not too shabby for a week. And feeling good, sleeping good, uh, not having any issues. Um can't complain you know it's working pretty well gotta love it um let's see what else is going on here where did my news feed disappear to <laughs> i hate when that happens i think yeah there we go well i got it meat and salt that's it crispy airy meat chips that melt in your mouth regeneratively raised in the u.s of a and they have beef and salt lamb and salt pork and salt beef and salt <laughs> Ooh, I around in New York Strip, ribeye, beef and salt, pork sliders, beef and salt, lamb sliders, beef and salt, or lamb and salt, excuse me, <laughs> beef sliders, only two ingredients, beef and salt. Huh, cool. Why carnivore snacks? Sourced and made in the U.S. of A. Contains only two ingredients, crispy and airy like a meat pastry. Meat on the go. Huh, Interesting. It's really good and airy. Okay, there's a taste review. <laughs> Let's see here. In this video, which is just over two minutes long, I want to show you how to create this 84-page ebook. Simply, I am finally home from my trip, and look what I get to open. I am so excited to open my carnivore snacks. I had a cool note um, from Sylvia and I'll tag her. And look at all of this deliciousness. All right, you know, I already know this one's gonna be my favorite. It is beef ribeye. They are grass fed. The only two ingredients is beef and salt, which is crazy. Uh, and then some pork loin, which I just imagine is gonna be like crispy bacon. And then some beef eye round. All right, let's, uh, let's taste it. All right, we are gonna try them. I think I'm gonna say the best, what I think is gonna be the best for last, which is the ribeye. So we're gonna start with the beef eye round. I'm saying we because Chris is here too. He's gonna taste them. Um, okay, let's taste that one first. What do you think? It's nice and lean. Mmm, I was expecting it to be um, chewier, but this is even better. It's not hard to chew like traditional jerky. What do you think? Mm. It's amazing. That one is really good. I think I love the texture the best where it's almost like really light and airy, but it's it would be good for like a dip in something because it's really sturdy. This one's really good. Just the eye round. Okay, next up we are gonna try the pork loin. And I already 
love how much salt you can see. You can really see the salt on there. So I already know I'm gonna love this. What do you think of this one? This one's even better. It's not as bacony as I thought, but it's better. It's like the texture is perfect. It's a really distinct pork flavor, but it's very light. Like bacon sometimes is too rich when you eat a lot at once. This is really, really light. Even the flies want it. You can tell too, this just comes from like an entire full pork loin and it's not um, like processed or pieces. It's just heritage pork and salt. This one is really light, it's perfect. All right, and last is the beef ribeye. Just grass-fed beef and salt uh, from White Oak Pastures. <laughs> that is just a perfect, you can see the salt on it and the fat. This is the thing I miss with regular jerky is there's not enough fat on it. Uh, this is perfect. Let's give this one a try. Oh man. Come here, what do you think? Show them. Amazing. That is so good. One of the things I like is that they talk about how um, most carnivores don't snack. So each bag is going to be designed to almost be like a meal equivalent. So if you wanted a quick snack, you could use part of it or you could eat the whole bag and count it as a meal. Hmm. Thank you so much, Sylvia and Carnivore Snacks. Make sure you guys follow them so you can be updated when this beautifulness is coming out. I'm pretty sure the pork was my uh, surprise. It was definitely a surprise. I mean, nothing beats a ribeye, but I was definitely thrilled with the pork. <laughs> you don't know what you're supposed hmm. to do. That's pretty cool. I'm liking that. Let's see uh, what the other one here was. Uh, like savory pastry, but better. <laughs> Mingle. And I'm so excited for this right now. I'm We're so super happy. excited. We're by ourselves. Now, just Hold look at it. Cheers. 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 It's a, look at this. Okay, guys. I wish you could hear. Meat I wish pastry. I had a speaker. For how flaky. It's it a meat like, pastry. It, you know what it tastes like? Miami people. We just passed Don Pan. That's what it tastes like. You know that pastry thing that has the ham in it? So it's like a savory pastry, but better. Without all the crap. Pure mm. ribeye. So we're fueling up. I was, honestly, I was wondering how this was part was gonna go down. Cause I can be, I don't like it rubbery. Sorry. It melts. It, it's it starts crazy. to melt in your fingers actually. Oh my God. Amazing product. Check it out. Stay tuned, follow Carnivore Snacks, get on the mailing list, get every single this piece of information sent to you because when the Kickstarter starts, we're going to contribute and I hope she has an option for like, you know, $400 gets you like lifetime supply or something crazy like that because we'll put it in. Dead serious. This is the best. This is everything. I mean, throw me on an island. I'll survive forever. Yep. Stay tuned. We're going to enjoy it. See you guys. Pretty cool. <laughs> I'm liking that. I have to try that. But so far, the carnivore diet's working good for me. I'm liking it a lot. Man, yummy. 
Anybody else have any comments or anybody else trying it? I know Kirby is, but she may not be able to uh, chat. Carl and Brenda, I think, are doing it. And Carl's not able to talk, but Brenda's there. Brenda, you got any uh, comments on how things are going for you? Oh, come on, Brenda. <laughs> she may not Okay, be. I can run to the other ring. Ran back in here. Yeah, I do that just to make you get your exercise for the day. Yeah, I've got me some eggs cooking, so I've had those in the kitchen. So, uh, okay. Um, Have you guys over. got a chance to try those yet, or is it just something that Carl found and passed along? No. One of Carl's sisters, when we saw them at the funeral the other day, over the weekend of his stepbrother and his stepmother, we had two funerals. Um, she said, oh, we did the carnivore last year, but we never heard anything about it. And she said, these are really good, you know. She said, there's no additives or anything, so she's the one that sent him the link for them. Hmm. And uh, he just was telling me now, he, uh, um, you know, had uh, ordered some. So... We haven't, you know, got them yet. He's just now ordering them. Oh, okay. Cool. So, they really, one of his sisters and her husband, sounds like they had them some last year, and they really liked them. So. Sounds like he's down 18 pounds from like the yeah. started at yeah. 290 and down to 272. That's good. Yeah. Awesome. And, you know, he he's saying, well, he's hit a plateau the last three or four days. He hadn't moved any. I said, well, you already went down quite a bit. Yeah. Um, which he, I think when he first started, we really hadn't started going just carnivore yet. He was just kind of starting trying to cut back a little more because he had said, I've just got to get some weight off. Mm -hmm. And uh, I maybe have lost two pounds. <laughs> hey, that's two pounds. Oh. That's good. You know, I can tell... Um, Around my waist, you know, maybe like an inch or so is gone down. But um, I was trying to think last week when we were first starting it. I uh, had we've got some we had some snack mix here, and I ate some of that, which had pumpkin seeds and sesame seeds and some of that in it. And I'm wondering if that was too much of a no-no. Well, the seeds, you know, they're not, those are carbs. They're not, um, they're not animal products, so. Yeah. And, and I did have wait, a little bit of, uh, you know, no sugar peanut butter. So that may have kind of stalled me a little bit but i'm yeah, i'm stricter be. this week i've been stricter the last few days so um but yeah so we're not supposed to have like you say no nuts on this like you could on the keto and stuff i think yeah again that's uh it depends on how big of a stickler you want to be um the thing you want to watch with peanuts number one they're not nuts they're legumes and right they um, have a tendency to um, develop aspergillus bacteria, which produces a thing called aflatoxin, which causes liver cancer. Uh, 
So you got to be careful with peanuts in general. Um, but in, you know, I'm trying to cut everything out. I'm just going cold turkey. Um, mm -hmm. And so far, not having problem. The only thing I'm doing is, is uh, animal products, whether it's meat or, and, and or dairy. I do, mm -hmm. uh, if I can get the thing to import here, um, I just had uh, the last two nights I had steak and eggs. And, you know, that's, I love that stuff. I could eat that all the time. Here we go. Um, if I can get yeah. My... Last night we had, uh, I kind of made us a, a chicken taco bowl. You know, we I had a rotisserie chicken. Mm -hmm. So we had that cut up with, uh, of course, a couple kinds of cheese on it and um, a little bit of leaf lettuce. I had some in the refrigerator. I thought, well, I'm going to use this up. And, uh, yeah, it looks good. And um, then I put, I thought, well, for some type of sauce a little bit for the chicken that's dry sometimes, I... Uh, mix sour cream with a you know a spoon of uh, like some salsa in it oh. just in, give it just a little flavor and we put that that because uh, i thought well that's more fat getting the sour cream and mm -hmm. it gave it a little more of a taste so we thought that kind of dressed it up good you know, something you might try is uh the saver have you tried any of the saver um uh stuff through longevity it's an australian company they make these little uh, plastic uh, uh things of like seasoned salt and steak rub and stuff but they have one that's guacamole and oh. i think i've got some i'm going to try mixing that with a little sour cream and yeah trying that i think that'd be pretty tasty oh, yeah and that'd be good on um uh, um salmon mm. you know i've had a recipe where i put real avocado and sour cream I saw a recipe for that once, and that that and some lemon juice, and that really dressed it up, tasty. Mm -hmm. yeah. But no, I haven't looked at those. We may have to check those out. Yeah, yeah, check them out. They're uh, they're pretty good. I haven't had any that I don't like yet. They've got you know steak rubs, uh, chicken seasoning, uh, all kinds of stuff, and the little containers. They're like you know seven or eight bucks a piece, something like that. Um, it's another good thing if you just need a few extra points to qualify at the end of a month, you can order one of those. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, <laughs> I was sweating bullets. It wasn't until just late yesterday afternoon we finally got enough stuff in there to get everybody qualified. And uh, I'm not sure we're going to make it this month, but we did. God's mm -hmm. good. Blesses every step of the way. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Last month was a crazy one. We qualified, but after the first of the month, one of the uh, people in the downline had their distributorship um, uh, expired. And because of that, and that's what bugs me, you know, if you're, we were qualified at the end of the month, but because somebody's distributorship expired, it lost, you know, I lost a $300 car bonus out of it. And, okay. uh, but you know, once we got him requalified, then we can submit a, a thing for recalculation, which takes, in most cases, you know, four to six weeks, and then we'll get I'll get paid. But you know, it's a pain in the butt to have to do that. If they're qualified at the end of the month, that should be good. 
And, yeah. you know, that's just one of the goofy things about longevity of, out of many. But, yeah, because uh, I know ours happened once like that, and it was because, you know, the card it was on mm-hmm. had changed cards or that and had canceled or whatever. So. Yeah, you got to keep up with that stuff because if yeah. something expires or if you got a compromised card and that kind of thing. And the thing is, even if the if you're using it for your regular auto ships, that's fine. But if you don't put it in for the auto ship for your renewal, you're screwed. And I got to make sure I get mine done because I had the same thing happen. I just had to get a new card here in the last couple of weeks. And I'm up for uh, renewal for my distributorship here sometime either this month or next, I think. So I got to make sure I've got that correct. Otherwise, I'll have, an, <laughs> have another problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Got to keep up with this stuff. But anyway, yeah. that's great. I'm glad you guys are having uh, good results. And uh, I'm amazed at the things that people are getting rid of. You know, high type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, prostate issues, IBS. You know, it's like mm-hmm. everything goes back to normal. Gotta love it. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. This takes a little while to get it all going, kind of. But, I mean, of course, for Carl, he is such of a meat eater anyway he he just said oh yeah just hung right to it you know <laughs> and uh, started but uh, it's a lot easier uh, when both people are doing it trust me yeah <laughs> yeah my wife doesn't want anything to do with it so <laughs> yeah. it's causing a makes, little tension yeah yeah it makes it harder and, and of course we're lucky we've got people here that we get grass-fed beef from so we know that's good and we get fresh eggs you know people that have fresh eggs and so all that's good (laughs) you know man all righty then okay good deal yep Uh, and looking in the news here ready for another draft (laughs) talked about this a little yesterday New House GOP House Speaker Mike Johnson said, U.S. boots on the ground may be necessary for America to stand with Israel. What makes me mad is they got a picture here of foreign troops because these guys are carrying AK-47s and not M4s. Um, So the least they could do if they're talking about U.S. military is use a picture of U.S. military. This is not their uniforms, not their helmets, not their firearms, not nothing. But anyway, Representative Mike Johnson, Republican Louisiana, the newest puppet of Israel, has been installed as America's new Speaker of the House. And his fake, polished, syrupy sweet, southern sweet talk to Fox News, Sean Hannity this week, suggests that there could be, could soon be, uh, could soon very be... <laughs> they screwed up there anyway could very well soon be a draft imposed on the the united states to send america's young people to an early grave for israel after finishing up spewing all the usual rhetoric about how russian president vladimir putin must be stopped from prevailing in ukraine because then china will attack taiwan (laughs) johnson proceeded to call for limitless and unconditional support for israel we are not going to abandon them (laughs) To be cooperative, we need to work together on this, Johnson said about continued U.S. aid for Vladimir Zelensky. We owe it to the people to, to know what, a plan it, what the plan is, where the money is going to be spent, and we need to be auditing 
the dollars that we have already sent over there. These are not these are not tough tough questions, right? <laughs> Those the answers that are tough. <laughs> One thing that the House Republicans are resolved on is that we must stand with our most important ally in the Middle East, and that's Israel. God help us. You know. Let's see, Speaker Johnson and Sean Hannity, the most American politicians, are Israel firsters pretending to support Americans. You know, the funny thing is, is when you, all these groups or these connections that we have with different countries all seem to be one-sided. We're supporting Israel, but Israel's not supporting us. I mean, they were instrumental in, if you remember back on 9-11, they were jumping up and down in the streets in New Jersey when the towers were coming down. That doesn't sound like supporting America. Um, they were the only ones to get on a plane and get out of Dodge, you know, after 9-11 happened. Um, not to mention they're Ashkenazis for the most part, and they're not true Israelis, but... Uh, I don't know enough about that to really talk any more about it, but it's just kind of a weird situation, you know, and I don't think we should be supporting genocide regardless, and that's what these guys, you know, when you got Netanyahu claiming we need to go in and just level Gaza, and most of the people killed in Gaza are women and children, that's sick, disgusting, and shouldn't be supported. I don't care who it is, but anyway, uh-oh. <laughs> that's cooper the wonder pooch he's got a bark on him don't know what he's barking about but he's barking. there he goes again anyway if the ethnic cleansing operation fails and johnson foresees drafting american children to be sent into the incinerator for israel a position that seems to also be supported by hannity of course they're not the ones that have to go you know let's see if you get your grandchildren lined up and put them first in the front you know you know, when the, when the draft starts, let's, I think they need to draft every single offspring from any member of Congress or anybody in the government and send them first. You might see a little bit different outlook then if that was the case. But hopefully most people just say, nope, I ain't registering. I ain't going to do it. I'll go to Canada <laughs> or whatever. We certainly hope it doesn't come to boots on the ground, Johnson told Hannity with that quintessentially artificial southerly duper's delight smile if it comes to that and we've communicated this to the white house staff today that we have the article one power in the legislative branch of government and that they have article two. <laughs> oh boy they have very uh, limited authority on what they can do to respond without coming to congress to seek consent oh yeah right they do whatever the heck they want and even my Democrat colleagues, Sean, the committees and, and jurisdiction understand this, and the Foreign Affairs Committee. Well, I'll tell you what, either this guy can't talk or I can't read. I'm not sure which one it is today. Should Iran get involved, which it has promised to do, then Hannity and Johnson both agree that the Middle East will soon see a full-on war, with Israel at the center of it, and the U.S. pushing the buttons. And again, this whole thing is just a... Uh, another staged event in order to help the globalists further gain control over the world's population, the oil, and uh, kill as many people as possible in the process. 
If Israel's existence is put in jeopardy, I don't think Prime Minister, Minister Netanyahu, who I've known for almost 30 years, I don't think there's anything he won't do to preserve and protect his country from people that have committed their lives to destroy it. Well, that's a door that swings both ways. <laughs> uh, Name-dropping Netanyahu for pro-Israel points. And that was Hannity speaking. They have an ex existential threat every day. Johnson responded, also, also name-dropping Netanyahu as his longtime buddy. America will back him up. They tell us, they say, the reason that we are able to sustain ourselves and survive is because everyone knows that our big ally is America. The House is back in business, and we are going to stand with Israel. Ugh. Stand with them when they're right. Forget them when they're wrong. That's the way it should be. Anyway, but the draft is probably coming, and war is going to come with it. Uh, let's see here. Health Canada confirms that Pfizer COVID-19 injections contain SV40 DNA sequence that can cause cancer. Yep. Oh, man. Canada's Department of Health, or Health Canada, has confirmed that the cancer-causing polio, um, polyomavirus, a simian virus 40, or the SV40 sequence is indeed present in Pfizer's Wuhan coronavirus COVID-19 mRNA vaccines. No reason for it to be there. The agency said in an email to Epic Times that vaccine sponsors are expected to identify any biologically functional DNA sequences within the plasmid, including SV40 enhancers, when submitted for review, which they didn't, which should open them up to lawsuits. However, Pfizer did not specif uh, specifically identify that the SV40 sequence at the time of submission. Dr. Jancy uh, Lindsay of Toxicology Support Services accused the New York-based man uh, vaccine manufacturer of hiding the SV40 sequence, not just from the Canadian authorities, but also from the U.S. Federal Death Administration and the European Medicines Agency. It's not just the fact that they're there. It's the fact that they were purposely hidden from the regulators, said Lindsay, who serves as the director of toxicology and molecular biology for TSS. She explained that while Pfizer's COVID-19 injection does not contain the full SV40 virus, it contains a nuclear localization sequence when integrated into the human genome through insertional mutagenesis. SV40 promoters can lead to gene mutations that could potentially cause cancer. Well, that's right. Well, they wanted to, that's just one more thing to help kill people. SV40 was first discovered in the kidney cells of a rhesus monkey and later used to make both the inactivated polio vaccine injected using a syringe and the oral polio vaccine. However, SV40 was found to cause cancer in animals, leading to the passage of a law in 1961 that prohibited its, its, its inclusion in vaccines. And yet, here we are, what, uh, 62 years later, <laughs> and we've still got it. And it's not just the COVID jabs it's in, it's in many of the um, annual injections that they're pushing on kids uh, i think it's been found in flu shots and all kinds of things health canada still approves moderna vaccines despite discovery of sv40 two researchers 
Uh, I just had to check on Cooper. He's doing something behind my back. Uh-oh. <laughs> he knocked something over. Anyway, uh, two researchers, microbiologist uh, Kevin McKernan and cancer genomics professor Dr. Philip Buckholtz, uh, had already disclosed the presence of SV40 promoters in Pfizer's mRNA COVID-19 vaccine back in May. Just like Lindsay, McKernan accused Pfizer of not disclosing the presence of SV40 in the COVID jabs. Given its historical link to cancer when used in polio vaccines several decades ago, he warned the public that SV40 promoters pose a potential con uh, concern due to the risk of an integrating into human genomes near oncogenes, which is, you know, that comes, that's where the term oncology comes from, or cancer genes. Anyway, in June, Dr. Joseph Mercola also touched on the issue in an op-ed for LifeSite News. He discussed the conversation between McKernan and Dr. Stephen Greer and Sukarit Bhakti about the SV40 promoters mixed in, the, uh, in with the and with the COVID-19 jabs, according to McCola, McKernan and his team detected SV40 in both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines. According to Greer, uh, the vaccines could alter the human genome and cause a per, uh, permanent uh, production of harmful spike protein, prompting the immune system to attack healthy soil cells. He added that uh, governments and drug companies might have misled the world to a greater extent than previously known. And probably nothing will happen. For his part, Mercola surmised that the uh, presence of SV40 in the vaccines might be due to quality control issues. <laughs> no, it was purposely put there in the manufacturing process. Such errors, he noted, could also explain the high number of uh, anaphylactic reactions associated with the vaccines. Despite the mounting evidence regarding the adverse effects of COVID-19 jabs, Health Canada still approved revised Moderna mRNA-based COVID-19 shots. Exactly. Why didn't they stop the use of all of them immediately? Because they don't care. The whole goal is kill as many as possible. And I just put the article in the chat room and putting it on the Telegram channel here real quick. And we'll see where we go. It looks like. Situation update, November 2nd, 2021. Monsters, zombies, and mutants. Horrifying new stuff. Um, new research reveals how vaccines suppress DNA repair mechanism in your cells. Okay. Well, for some reason, I'm not getting my uh, preview screen when I share this stuff, so I don't know if it's actually getting out there or not. That's strange. Somebody let me know if you can see this when we play it. It's Tuesday, November 2nd. This is the Situation Update. Mike Adams here. And today we're going to cover the most horrifying science paper that I've ever seen in my life. And part of the curse of being able to, to read science papers and understand the science is that when it says what this paper says, and we're going to go through it here today, you then you know you know that a, a, a real-life zombie apocalypse is already counting down. It's in the making. What, what has just been uncovered in this paper, uh, researchers out of the Wenner Gren Institute at Stockholm University in Sweden, uh, Chinese researchers, uh, Jiang Hui and Mei Yafang, 
The title of this is uh, SARS-CoV-2 Spike Impairs DNA Damage Repair and Inhibits VDJ Recombination in Vitro. Now, at first, you might be saying, well, what does that mean? So allow me to explain what this means. And by the way, I, I became aware of this through Sherry Tenpenny. And I want to thank Dr. Tenpenny for sharing this critical research. Um, we've all got to get the word out about this. Here's what it means, folks. We're going to walk through the mechanisms, but here's what it means. The spike protein that's generated in your body when you get the mRNA vaccines this spike protein we now know goes into the nucleus of your cells. That's where it actually concentrates in the nucleus. And there it impairs a DNA repair mechanism. Now this DNA repair mechanism is called NHEJ or non-homologous end joining. And it is a, a necessary a genetic mechanism for, shall we say, uh, gene integrity. If you don't have this mechanism, and by the way, all all animals have it, all plants have it, basically everything that is a, a nucleus-based cell, uh, multicellular organism, okay? So, so uh, almost everything that's living on the planet that you and I would call, you know, animals, plants, and so on, has a cell nucleus. And in that cell nucleus, this mechanism of NHEJ, it repairs broken DNA strands or even double strand breaks. And this is an absolutely necessary mechanism for repairing DNA after exposure to ionizing radiation, such as sunlight, or even, by the way, mammography equipment, or upon exposure to chemicals that are carcinogens or that are mutagenic chemicals, which are found, by the way, as pesticides and plasticizer or chemicals and, and so many things in the food supply and in medications as well. And a lot of the a lot of the toxic laundry detergents and the skin creams that have the toxic fragrance chemicals that I've been talking about for decades. Normally, in, in, in a healthy person, when you're exposed to these genetic insults, we might say, again, ionizing radiation, chemical exposure, uh, and also just spontaneous mutations that can occur in, in your cells because cell uh, genetic information replication is not perfect. There are mistakes that are made, and that's why your body has, you might call it a checksum system where your your th this mechanism which can be a homologous repair or non-homologous end joining the these mechanisms are absolutely necessary for the survival of any complex organism if you don't have this mechanism functioning let, let's say let's say that right after a pregnancy happens and there's conception and the the cells, the, the sperm and the egg join, and they're starting to develop a living human baby. If you don't have this mechanism functioning, the NHEJ mechanism, you don't. Uh, there, there is no baby, because creating 
a physical organism is a very complex thing and there has to be a lot of error correction along the way, a lot of uh, checksum, a, a lot of repair. And if that mechanism does not function, there will be no baby. There will be just a mass that would look like a giant cancer tumor, basically. And then that, that would be, that would end up as a, you know, a non, non-viable birth. And it would just be a, probably a spontaneous abortion because the female body would know, hey, there's not really a viable baby here. And, you know, the mother would automatically eject that and, and try again. You know, that's a lot of pregnancies end in spontaneous abortions because sometimes things aren't working correctly. Well, it turns out that the spike protein suppresses this NHEJ mechanism by as much as 90%. So the DNA repair mechanism that's working, you know, billions of times a day in your own body, by the way, at, I don't know, the, the nanoscale level. This, this is what's keeping you alive. This is what's preventing you from becoming a genetic mutant monster, Okay. This mechanism is suppressed by the spike protein and the spike protein concentrates in the nucleus of the cell and it causes this. And this has now been measured with a dose dependent response by these, these researchers whose names I just mentioned. And they are from the department of molecular biosciences at the Winter Gren Institute in Stockholm university. And then another research is from the department of clinical microbiology virology at Umea University in also in Sweden. So these two researchers collaborated on this research and they use, let's see, they use uh, antibodies, reagents, plasmids, they use cellular fractionation and immunoblotting, a common assay, immunofluorescence, uh, statistical analysis. Uh, th- th- those are so- sort of the technical things that they used to determine what we are about to talk about here and what they determine if i could break it down into sort of a layperson's explanation is really three critical things they determine number one well actually it's more than three okay they determine the spike protein goes into the cell nucleus and there it suppresses the dna repair mechanism we've already talked about that secondly this results in immunodeficiency. So this is the walking AIDS patient uh, phenomenon that we've been warning about. And this explains why people are losing immune function week after week after week after they take the vaccine. The next thing they, they found is that there is direct interference with the body's immunological response to cancer. And they specifically mentioned the BRCA1 gene, which is of course, expressed in cases of breast cancer. And out of, out of their study, um, here, let me just quote exact, the exact thing for you here. Uh, let me bring it up. Okay, it said, we found that the spike protein markedly inhibited both BRCA1, that's the BRCA1 gene, and 5,3-BP1 foci formation. And that's in figure 3DG, 3D through G. Uh, Together, these data show that the SARS-CoV-2 full-length spike protein inhibits DNA damage repair by hindering DNA repair protein recruitment. Okay. Now, 
Oh, by the way, you can download the PDF for this whole study. I, I've done it. I've saved off the PDF because I am uh, incredibly concerned they're going to yank this study off the web. So <laughs> I've gone ahead and downloaded the entire um, uh, PDF just to save it. Oh, also, uh, this article is part of the special issue called SARS-CoV-2 Host Cell Interactions. And this article specifically mentions the problem with vaccines. It says, quote, our findings reveal a potential molecular mechanism by which the spike protein might impede adaptive immunity and underscore the potential side effects of full-length spike-based pr- uh, vaccines. Excuse me. The last word there is vaccines. Right, I'm going to stop it there because it's an hour and 18 minutes long. But uh, suffice it to say, the presence of these uh, SV40 DNA in these jabs is just one more thing that people should not be subjected to and one more thing that makes should make people think twice about taking anything from Pfizer or Moderna. But, you know, they just keep going along because my doctor said it's safe and effective, so I'm going to take it. Silly you. <sighs> Man. Dumb move. Oregon extends policy allowing high school students to graduate without having to prove proficiency in English and math. Oh, heaven forbid, you know, just just go there, sit all day, play games, take naps, you know, do whatever you want, uh, learn nothing, and at the end of the time, just graduate, no problem. <laughs> Why not? Uh, good grief. California DMV suspended cruises driverless car permits for misrepresenting invitation or information on safety. Cruises driverless car permits? What's a cruise? <laughs> hmm. I'm just going to scan through here real. Cruise is majority controlled by General Motors. Okay, California Department of Motor Vehicles, DMV, suspended the autonomous driving permit of self-driving car startup Cruise on October 24th, halting the company's ro- robo-taxi services in San Francisco. Uh. According to the California DMV, the company's vehicles aren't safe for public operation, and Cruz has misrepresented information related to the safety of the technology of the vehicle. So basically, they're doing the same thing Pfizer is. Pfizer gets away with it, and they don't. They apparently aren't, they aren't paying the right people. Cruz is majority controlled by General Motors, which has invested significantly in the division. GM also had plans to launch the Origin a fully autonomous shuttle that doesn't have a steering wheel or manual controls. Oh, geez. I wouldn't get on one of those things for nothing. The suspension also presents another obstacle for Cruise as it is trying to expand its robo-taxi service to more cities and prove prove to investors that transporting passengers and self-driving vehicles can be a major profit generator in the coming years. Early in October, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration announced that it opened a safety defect probe into at least 600 driverless cars operated by crews. In 2022, a California agency also investigated an anonymous letter sent in May that warned that Cruise was preparing to launch its robotaxi service before it was ready for public use. Within recent months, 
Cruise has been expanding nationwide and introducing cars in Miami, Nashville, and other cities. However, the company has faced issues in San Francisco, one of the, its biggest markets, as cars stalled and were involved in several incidents. According to Cruise spokesperson, a com- the company was pausing the operation of its driverless autonomous vehicles in San Francisco as it continues to develop and deploy autonomous vehicles in an effort to save lives. <laughs> yeah, right. More like killed people. And Cruise is facing increased scrutiny from regulators, as it should. DMV has issued two permits to Cruise, one for testing and a second one for deploying of driverless vehicles. Aside from suspending Cruise's driverless vehicle deployment, the California DMV also suspended the company's testing permit. DMV's decision is a major setback for Cruise, especially since the company has been facing increased scrutiny by regulators this year due to to several incidents involving its vehicles. Cruise first started offering a commercial driverless car service in June of 2022 after years of testing the technology in California with and after some time without human drivers. Cruise utilizes GM's Chevy Bolt electric vehicles outfitted with autonomous gear. It has begun testing the origin It's a larger people mover in select cities. Weeks after Cruise's commercial launch in 2022, some of the company's vehicles started having trouble with the cars clustering together at intersections and blocking traffic. These incidents drew the attention of the California Public Utilities Commission, which also regulates autonomous vehicles in the state. Following these incidents, employees had to manually retrieve some of the vehicles. The DMV explained that the uh, suspension is ongoing until Cruise applies for reinstatement of its permit. The agency's decision doesn't, doesn't affect Cruise's permit for testing autonomous vehicles if there is a safety driver behind the wheel. Additionally, the NHTSA has also been investigating several on-road incidents inclu- involving Cruise vehicles with two open safety defect investigations. Last December, the Federal Auto Safety Regulator revealed that it had opened a probe into about 240 Cruise driverless cars after receiving several reports of the autonomous vehicles braking hard or or stalling while operating on public roads. At the time, the NHTSA said it was aware of three crashes, which included two injuries. The most recent probe, which was opened in October, focused on reports of Cruise's autonomous vehicles exhibiting risky behavior around pedestrians. According to a Cruise spokesperson, the company regularly communicated with the NHTSA and was cooperating with the agency's request for information. In October, video footage taken by Cruise revealed that a woman was severely injured after she was struck by a vehicle and then landed in the path of a driverless cruise car. Rescue workers then lifted the car off the woman who was severely injured. (laughs) Crews claimed that it's conducting an analysis to identify potential enhancements to the autonomous vehicle's response to this kind of extremely rare event. Of course, it's got to be extremely rare. (laughs) Watch the video below to learn how driverless cars challenge cybersecurity. Oh, okay. (laughs) People are always looking for better ways and quicker ways to get from place to place one point we depended on animals uh, in the horse and buggy days and there was a real revolution 
in the late 1800s when cars came along. As early as the 20s, there was the idea that maybe a car could drive by itself. And that evolved over the years, usually using something external to the car, a radio wire or some implementation that was outside of the car. But it wasn't until the past 20 years or so when thought was given and innovation was provided to a vehicle that could drive itself without any external force. No wire outside, no radio outside, and that is currently in the state of evolution. Virtually all the automobile companies have an interest in this, Tesla, Ford, General Motors, and companies such as Google, the high-tech companies are into it. I think we're substantial distance away, at least 15 years. There's so many things that have to be worked out. The big one that has to be thought about, at least in my view, is the cybersecurity problem. Right now, if you're in your car already, some folks may know what's going on. But with a driverless car, there would be other people who know a lot about what is going on in your vehicle. If you engage in hanky-panky, if you fall asleep, if you're drunk, if you say things that you don't want other people to hear, privacy invasions could be very substantial. With all the mechanics and computer-generated mechanisms in a car, someone, somewhere, is going to know much more about you. Just the way they may, if you have some device where you say, play music and it's in your home, they learn about you. And companies that already have access to our information, who then go into the driverless cars or autonomous vehicles market, will have more information. It's very possible the governments, our government, or governments in foreign countries, will be more intrusive and know more about you than they may currently. Is the government going to be able to dictate to you about where you're going, how you're driving, whether the vehicle is set at a certain speed? Is the government even going to tell you what it knows? Cybersecurity to me seems like an extremely big one in a situation with millions of codes and not absolute certainty as to who can obtain access to those codes potential problems could exist. Your Bin Laden of 2040 on one day could somehow break into the code of a thousand vehicles and they could create absolute mayhem. And no terrorists would have to be killed. So cybersecurity is a very substantial risk that we do not have now. With cars where we drive them, we're not thinking so much about privacy when we get in our car. But if we're getting in an autonomous vehicle, we are going to think about it. <laughs> Crazy if you get into one of those things. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, hmm. Let's see here. New York Supreme Court rules employees who were fired for refusing COVID jabs must be reinstated with back pay. Good for them. <laughs> Need to do the same thing with the military. Get the good guys that were forced out back in. Israel dis diplomat Buck's peace talks stresses only one objective destroy Gaza. And we're back in that. 
Career socialist activists pulling strings on UAW strike, costing the economy $7.7 billion and 6,000 jobs. Ooh. Intelligence analyst Jeffrey Prather, General Michael Flynn, both agree Israel stood down to allow Hamas to unleash terror. I told you, it's a planned event. <laughs> Merit Medical Hour, Dr. Janice Schmidt discusses the health benefits of bees. Yeah, without bees, we all die. That's all there is to it. It's funny how... Holy smoke. <laughs> the dogs are going crazy today, all three of them. Um, it's funny how the life on this planet could be determined by just one little bug being exterminated. You get rid of all the bees, there's no pollination and no plants, and pretty soon no life. That's kind of scary. And with... All the chemicals out there, you know, everything that Bayer and Monsanto makes and all that kind of stuff, uh, the 5G technology, bees are dying off like crazy. You know, we may not have to have World War III if it holds off long enough. We just might die off because there's no bees. Wouldn't that be a stinking thing? Coronavirus lockdown, face mask shortage, COVID-19, when will the outbreak end? Professor who pushed for medical tyranny during COVID-19 pandemic now begs for forgiveness. Okay. One guy out of thousands. <laughs> A professor who once espoused strict lockdown measures during Wuhan coronavirus COVID-19 pandemic has done an about face is, and is now begging for forgiveness. Scott Galloway, a professor at New York University, Stern School of Business made the confession during an October 27 panel discussion on an HBO program, Real Time, with Bill Maher. The professor admitted that he was wrong for advocating for prolonged lockdown policies. I was on the board uh, of my, I was on the board of my kids' school during COVID-19. I wanted a harsher lockdown policy. Galloway told Maher. In retrospect, I was wrong. The damage to kids caused by keeping them out of school longer was greater than the risks. But there, but here's the bottom line. We were all operating with per, imperfect information, and we were doing our best. That's a cop-out. No matter how you look at it, he was basically limiting human liberty. And there's never a good excuse for that. So anyway, they were operating, they were doing their best, learn, uh, let's learn from it, let's hold each other accountable, but let's bring a little bit of grace and forgiveness, oh, of course, you know, we're all stupid, and uh, we need to uh, get beyond that without punishing anybody who were breaking all the rules and violating rights. Predictably, many users on social media did not take too kindly to Galloway's apology. Some of them took to X, formerly Twitter to voice their disdain, noting that the definition of doing our best meant shaming, ridiculing, and ostracizing anybody who deviated from the official narrative that lockdowns and COVID-19 jabs save lives. <laughs> no, we need to forget, never forget that. It doesn't matter that you're now saying you were doing your best. You let your fear grip you, and you lectured everyone by your fear. 
some of us tried to tell you and you ridiculed us, user at Agent Raster wrote. Meanwhile, user at <laughs> call me Chari <laughs> minced no words in her post, writing no forgiveness. Many told you over and over that you were wrong, but we were cast aside and silenced. We were told the experts knew better. And we all know you haven't learned a thing from any of this. If it were all to happen again, the majority of COVIDians would do the same things all over again. You shouldn't be forgiven. You should be held accountable. Not the first time somebody called for COVID-19 amnesty. Oh, yeah. Incredibly, Galloway wasn't the first individual who called for forgiveness over medical tyranny during COVID-19 pandemic. Exactly a year ago, Brown University press professor Emily Oster called for a pandemic amnesty through an October 2022 piece for the Atlantic magazine. In the op-ed, she suggested a truce in the form of putting away all the terrible pandemic decisions. Oster also urged people to forgive and forget all the COVID-19 public health mandates, such as lockdowns, school closures, and mask mandates, and the resulting damage to people's lives. This, she continued, was because people were in the dark about COVID-19. Not everybody, just the stupid people that were calling for all this stuff. Let's acknowledge that we made complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty and then try to work together to build back and move forward. Yeah, but you're not going to forgive the people who refuse to be jabbed and you're still going to look down your nose at them. Just like Galloway's call for forgiveness and grace, Oster's suggestion of a pandemic truce did not sit well with many. Breitbart's John Nolte, uh, joined the chorus in opposition, outlining his points in a November 2022 article. That's not going to happen ever, he began. <laughs> there must first be an admonition or admission of wrongdoing and apology, accountability, and repentance. We're seeing nothing even close to that from our COVID oppressors. Instead, all we see is lying and gaslighting. There will be no amnesty before this accountability, before there is accountability for the savages who forced our loved ones to die alone. Most of all, there will be no reprieve because you are not sorry. Given the opportunity, you will do it all over again. And Harrison's, oh, Harrison Smith's got something here. Let's see what they have to say about this. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is American Journal. Lots of stories still to cover in today's episode. Remember to go to InfoWarsStore.com to support us. We really do appreciate it. And, of course, we promise to uphold our end of the deal and continue to, without hesitation, defend the human rights of everybody on Earth. Everybody of every race, color, and creed deserves to be alone and not be victims of this imperialistic global world government of corporate combines. We really do have a lot of stories that uh, we can get into in a number of different ways here. World War III eh, should probably be our top story here, and it, it certainly is. We have an interesting study here from Science Daily about the other genocide taking place. Not outright war, but a subtle, more medically characterized cascade of death. ScienceDaily.com 
released this yesterday. A silent killer, COVID-19, shown to trigger, trigger inflammation in the brain. Research led by the University of Queensland has found that COVID-19 activates the same inflammatory response in the brain as Parkinson's disease. The discovery identified a potential future risk for neurodegenerative conditions in people who've had COVID-19, but also a possible treatment. The UQ team was led by Professor Trent Woodruff and Dr. Eduardo Alborones Balmaceda from UQ's School of Biomedical Science and virologists from the School of Chemistry and Molecular Biosciences. Quote, we've studied the effect of the virus on the brain's immune cells, microglia, which are the key to cells involved in the progression of brain diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, Professor Woodruff said. Our team grew human microglia in the laboratory and infected the cells with SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. We found the cells effectively became, quote, angry, activating the same pathways that Parkinson's and Alzheimer's proteins can activate in disease and the inflammasomes. Dr. Alboron, Alboronis Balmaceda said triggering the inflammasome pathway sparked a fire in the brain, which begins a chronic and sustained process of killing off neurons. It's a kind of silent killer because you don't see any outward symptoms for many years. It may explain why some people who've had COVID-19 are more vulnerable to developing neurological symptoms similar to Parkinson's disease. The researchers found the spike protein of the virus was enough to start the process and was farther exacerbated when there were already proteins in the brain linked to Parkinson's. So if someone is already predisposed to Parkinson's, having COVID-19 could be like pouring more fuel on the fire in the brain, Professor Woodruff said. Same would apply for a deep uh, predisposition for Alzheimer's and other dementias that have been linked to inflammasomes. But the study also found potential treatment. They administered a class of UQ-developed inhibitory drugs, which are currently in clinical trials with Parkinson patients, and they found that it successfully blocked the inf inflammatory pathway activated by COVID-19, essentially putting out the fire. And of course, I would guess that since it is the spike protein and since the Uh, vaccine also has the spike protein. This would be the same effect getting the vaccine as it would getting COVID-19, but pretty horrific. And again, that was the University of Queensland. It just came out that yesterday on Science Daily. Here's a story from Infowars.com about the story that we covered yesterday. The Atlantic asking for just a, just, just a truce. We're going to call it truce, and we're going to forget all the things that we did to you. And I've been enjoying the Twitter uh, event. Basically, this is caused where people are posting all of the horrible things that vaxxers did to anti-vaxxers over the last couple of years. And it really is, it really is crazy how they were able to get people to do stuff that they would never normally do. I should have pulled some of the videos in. I don't, I don't think I did. Because they're all old videos. You know, they're all videos that we had a year ago. But people are just reposting them. Things like, you know, being in a funeral home and everybody's sitting six feet apart and there's like an old man who's like crying over his wife sitting in the casket and his son pulls his chair over and puts his arm around his dad and the, the funeral director comes rushing in and she's like, nope, nope, you separate from one another. You, you do not be near each other. And it's just like, again, you know, we asked it all through the, the pandemic, like, what have they done to you? 
what have they done to you? What, what makes somebody act like that? What makes somebody yell at a son soothing his grieving father? And would that person not be a perfect gas chamber operator? Like if you have that little empathy, that little sympathy, that little humanity left in you, if it's been driven out of you by propaganda, what wouldn't you do? I mean, people would never do this stuff normally. It's stuff they, they would find so repulsive and outrageous before they were willing to do now because, well, they were saving the world. Six feet, safe. Two feet, totally dangerous. That was, that's, that's what they convinced you of? You people fell for that? So again, we're, 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 we're standing by our initial reaction to this request for amnesty, giving it a big fat shut the hell up and go away. Giving it a big fat no. Story at InfoWars is this. You murderous hypocrites, outrage ensues after Atlantic suggests amnesty for pandemic authoritarians. The Atlantic has come under fire for suggesting that all the terrible pandemic era decisions over lockdowns, school closures, masking, and punishing an entire class of people who question the efficacy and wisdom of taking a rushed experimental vaccine for a virus with a 99% survival rate in most should be all water under the bridge. Just forgive and forget, you guys. Forgive and forget how we were made into (laughs) just the worst people ever, just horrific monsters of human beings. Let's just forget how we all got turned into murderous automatons. This is the actual author of the piece, Emily Oster. 2,000 likes compared to 27,000 comments. That is a ratio that is hard to beat. In one epic Twitter thread, Claremont Institute senior fellow Matthew J. Peterson excoriates Oster's entire premises, saying, hey, sorry you lost your job because of the vax that doesn't work and your grandmother died alone and you couldn't have a funeral and your brother's business was needlessly destroyed and your kids have a weird heart problems, but let's just admit we were all wrong and call it a truce, huh? It's too bad we shut the entire economy down and took on tyrannical powers that have never been used in this country. Looking back, you should have been able to go to church and use public parks while we let people riot in the streets. But it was a confusing time for everyone. Hey, look, I'm sorry we scared the hell out of you and lied for years and persecuted and censored anyone who disagreed. But there was an election going on and we really wanted to beat Donald Trump. So it was important to radically politicize the science, even if it destroyed your children's lives. Okay, yes, we said unvaccinated people should die and not get health care while never questioning Big Pharma once, but we are compassionate people, which is why even though we shut down the entire economy and also bankrupted the nation and caused inflation, you're welcome. Let's be friends. <laughs> These freaking people. Here's the only type of people that get forgiveness or amnesty of any sort. It's this woman, Megan, from Twitter. It says, I was not anti-vax, hence why I took the jabs, but now I've been vaccine injured and... We are real people who deserve respect. If you actually were injured by the vaccine and learned your lesson and now on our side, welcome. You need to defend your civilization against the onslaught of this cancer. Can you believe that idiot in the video where the woman's uh, talking out the window with a bullhorn and that schmuck is smashing his bicycle into the vehicle and finally broke the window out? And we're supposed to forgive that kind of actions? I think not. 
There's a level of insanity in this country that has never been like it before. What about the people that were legally prosecuted, and uh, are they going to take the punishments back? Are they going to give people's (laughs) jail sentences back? How can you give time back? Mm -hmm. Also, the ones, uh, sorry for having interrupted before, but you were talking about, oh, we were doing our best. What did they tell you in OCS? about that as well as boot camp your best isn't good enough that's right by golly yep you can delegate authority but you can't delegate responsibility (laughs) that's one of the things that was pounded into me in ocs you know you might delegate and let somebody do something but you ultimately are responsible and that's the thing Nobody there is accepting responsibility for the crap that was done in their name and, you know, by all these other underlings. Uh, It was just an absolute time to roll out tyranny, period. You know, they're not going to apologize for doing exactly what they planned on doing. (sighs) It's great. Throw the tyranny real quick. Um, have you heard of or did you see the mid- the um, Lock and Rose video, uh, Jones Plantation? Hmm. Larkin, uh, boy, we, I haven't heard from Larkin Rose in a long time. Jones Plantation. About I'm not 12 sure. of us watched it yesterday over on uh, uh, PPN Radio Ranch. Uh-huh. And it is something else. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, my goodness. Larkin Rose. Jones Plantation, it's called. Hmm. Yes. Let's see what I can find here. <laughs> 1826 Jones Plantation with Larkin and Amanda Rose, August 17th, 2023. The Corbett Report. (laughs) Uh, It's an Odyssey video. And that's the main... Boy, I wish we had time. Maybe tomorrow. Oh, we can't do it tomorrow. This is Wednesday already. Good grief. I'll have to hold this. Maybe we'll do this next week. Um, yeah, there's a 12-minute um, animated version, and then I think it was like an hour and a half or something like that. For hmm. the... Yeah, I'll have to do a little more digging. This, Like I said, this is just something, the first thing that came up on the Corbett Report. Um, here's a YouTube thing. Enslavement of Minds, Jones Plantation. This one's only it's less than 20 minutes. Let's go ahead and... Uh, Take a look at this. Let me get the uh, sharing set up here. There we go. And it's not just about some big thug came along and said, "Do what I say, or I punch you." That's not how oppression really works in the real world. And so this movie, more than any other that I've ever seen, really spells out how that mind control works and how the the most devious, nasty people in the world actually get the power that they get.
So what is the uh, synopsis of the Jones Plantation? Essentially, it, it uses the setting of a, a slave plantation to demonstrate how the most successful oppressors, um, whether you're talking about oppressors of an entire country or a plantation or whatever else, um, they don't just do it by brute force. It's not just obey me or I'll bludgeon you. It's psychological. It's manipulation. It's deception. It's intimidation. It's all the things that historically have allowed truly nasty people to get otherwise basically good people to obey them and even cheer them into power and, and become their, their thugs. So as Mr. Smith even explains in the, in the movie, whether you're talking about a plantation or a country or the whole world, the game is still the same. I'm just trying to run my plantation. I don't care about running the world. Regardless of scale, the game, Mr. Jones, is still the same. The game is still the same. <laughs> and so I basically wanted to use the setting of a, a slave plantation as an allegory to, to show that. So hopefully people will recognize more often how they are being used and manipulated and deceived into, you know, despite their best intentions, accidentally cheering for some of the worst people in the world. In the original animated version, Smith was white. And pretty early on in the script writing, I came up with the idea that, of him being black and a former slave. Um, first of all, I didn't want it to just... This thing isn't supposed to be about black and white. It's not supposed to be about race. And in the original version, everybody white was bad and everybody black was good. Um, I mean, some of them in the end didn't all the way dare to stand up, but it was, it, it was too easy to think that, that, you know, well, this just shows that white people are bad and black people are good. And that's, that's not the point of it. The point of it is the, is individuals and all the different ways in which individuals fail humanity, whether you're talking about Mr. Smith, who's all the way a sociopath or the, the plantation owners who, you know, they benefit from a completely heinous institution, so they just go along with it. Like, I guess I'm allowed to own people because that's what I was raised with. Down to the slaves or workers, as Smith calls them, who go along with it and fall for the divide and conquer tactics and, and all that. But I thought we needed to, to make it clear that this isn't, this isn't black versus white. It isn't even about race. It's about, it's about humanity. And it's about all the different ways in which human beings fail to live up to their potential. And about the only exception is Samuel. He's the only real hero. Of course, so many people are going to want to make it about race. And it isn't. And to me, it actually, it made it harder to make it about that, to make Smith um, in the movie version into a former slave himself, to show that he, he is the worst of the worst of the mere mortals, but it shows the whole spectrum of how many ways in which humanity can, like I said, fail to live up to its potential. What is the big takeaway from this film? Most of the people who enable tyranny and injustice aren't individually malicious. They just fall for the tricks of, of the very few 
actually malicious psychos in the world who have achieved positions of power. And I want, I want people to realize that whoever they are, it is very likely that they would have been on the wrong side, that they would have fallen for the lies and the deceptions of Mr. Smith, because history shows, shows that to be the case. Like when Hitler and Mao and Stalin, and you know, you can go right down the list, when they rose to power, it was to cheering throngs of people who were excited and they weren't, they weren't evil people. They were just duped and they were tricked and they were tricked into, you know, hating some other group and, and begging for authoritarianism in the name of protecting them and law and order and all the excuses that tyrants use. Um, and I hope it's a weird thing for a movie to do, but I hope a lot of people in the audience are actually going to relate to the workers who fell for Mr. Smith's lies and deceptions and realize, uh, I probably would have done that in the hopes of getting those people to not do that in real life, to have them actually see through the tricks, um, and be a little more aware after they've watched this thing of how they could be used. Because it's, it's always just normal, average, hardworking people who empower the tyrannies that happen in this world, whether on a tiny scale or a huge scale. They come and take as much as they want and they leave us with just enough that we don't rise up or run away. It's always where the tyrants get their power. Like one, you know, one psycho who wants to rule the world isn't any threat at all if he can't get hundreds of thousands or millions of people to help him have that power because they fell for his lies. You know, if you get one dictator saying, I rule the world and everybody else just goes, no, you don't. What is he? He's just some psycho babbling in a corner. It's only when he can trick people into cheering him into power and giving him that power. And I want people to recognize and notice how easily they would fall for it because most people still do. And that's why history is run through this cycle over and over and over again of one set of injustice after another. Authority not only is a fiction, not only is, is fake, but is the most destructive belief that has ever existed. The idea that that guy over there can have the right to rule the rest of us, that his word is law and that we're obligated to obey. And so that that message very much is, is in the Jones plantation. And so ultimately that's the, you know, that, that's the reason for the move. That's, you know, that's the theme of almost everything I, I write and work on. But the Jones plantation was just a, a good way to, to show the allegory of here's what happens when you decide someone has the right to rule you. It doesn't go well. Why not use 1930s Germany? I think that when it comes to people learning principles and concepts, the closer in the closer geographically and chronologically it is to them, the harder it is for them to actually think about it. Like if, uh, like I often use the example of, of slavery when I talk to people and say when that, when that was legal and the law enforcers were like catching runaway slaves and arresting people for teaching slaves to read and stuff, do you think that those laws were okay? And everybody says, no, that's horrible. Because when talking about a different time and place, nobody has trouble realizing, okay, that was horrible. 
but because that wasn't the authority they were taught to bow to. And so starting at another time in another place, I think, makes it easier for them. I mean, it, it could have been Nazi Germany. It could have been, you know, Soviet Russia or, or whatever. But I think the more remote it is from the here and now, the easier it is for people to, to ponder the abstract principles and then hopefully apply that today. And, and, and I expect and I hope that a lot of people are going to watch the movie and then hours or days or weeks or months later, when they're watching the news and seeing political speeches and stuff, go, oh, holy smokes, that's what that was about. Um, because it very much relates, but I think it is easier for them to digest it first when you're talking about a different time in a different place. The, uh, the I'm going to stop this. Just, this is behind the scenes. I want to see if I can find that animated thing that you were mentioning. Uh, ah, maybe this is it. Uh, hmm. By the film. Where is media? Let's see if it's under here. Hmm. Sherry Peel Jackson, a ah, former uh, IRS agent. <laughs> well, not there. That's not there. Well, shoot. Ah, I think this might be the animated one. Mr. Jones owned a cotton plantation and many slaves. One day he was talking to the owner of the plantation next to his and Mr. Jones was lamenting the fact that times were tough, he was having to work his slaves harder than ever and was having trouble with some of them being disobedient or trying to run away. The other plantation owner said he knew someone who could help. Day one. One day Mr. Jones called his slaves together so a man named Mr. Smith could talk to them. Before beginning, Mr. Smith whispered to Mr. Jones, Whatever I say, do not contradict me or interfere, and I promise you, your slave troubles will end. My name is Mr. Smith, he said to the slaves, and this may be the happiest day of your lives. From today forward, you will no longer be slaves, but free men. Mr. Jones was so shocked, he started to step forward, but Mr. Smith gestured for him to remain silent. He did, only because the other plantation owner had spoken so highly of Mr. Smith's skills. You are no longer the property of Mr. Jones, Mr. Smith continued. You are free. No more would you be forced to labor for the benefit of Mr. Jones. Now you can work for yourselves. Now the slaves were all murmuring and looking at each other. Many were smiling, many were looking puzzled. In fact, you are now free to leave the plantation whenever you want, Mr. Smith said. However, since we are surrounded by other plantations, if you leave, some other plantation owner will likely claim you as his own the moment you set foot on his property. So I urge you not to risk your newfound freedom by doing something so foolish. Instead, I suggest that you stay here, no longer as slaves, but as willing participants and part owners of this plantation. Yes, this is now your plantation. Mr. Jones bit his tongue to keep from objecting. 
For now, we might as well leave Mr. Jones in charge, said Mr. Smith, since he is the only one with any experience at running a plantation, which is quite a complicated thing to manage. But he will no longer be your master, but just another worker on the plantation. In fact, he will now be using his organizational and management skills to serve you. Whatever problems you may have had with him before, you are now all equals, and you need each other to make this work. If we all cooperate and work together, we can all reap the benefits together. In honor of this happy occasion, I present you this new symbol of togetherness and cooperation, this flag, which shall be the emblem of the new free Jones Plantation. He held up the new flag, but most of those listening were still too amazed to respond. And this shall be our motto, Mr. Smith announced. We work together as free men for our mutual benefit, pledging our allegiance to the Jones Plantation, which stands for prosperity, liberty, and justice for all. To celebrate, everyone has the rest of the day off. Enjoy your freedom, do as you please, and be back here tomorrow morning, bright and early, so that we may begin work on this great and noble new endeavor as equal free men. Finally convinced that Mr. Smith was serious, the former slaves applauded and cheered. Day two. We all want this plantation to do well, Mr. Smith said at the beginning of the next meeting, so we can all share in the benefits. We all know that it takes a lot of effort to make a cotton plantation work. Just because you're all free doesn't mean you can stop working. In fact, since you're now working for yourselves, I expect you to work even harder than ever before, but now with pride and joy, knowing that you're working for yourselves. Of course, there still have to be rules. If everyone just does whatever he wants, the plantation won't produce anything. This experiment will fail and we'll all starve. You should be thankful that Mr. Jones has agreed to stay on to lend his knowledge and skills to this endeavor, and I trust you will all do your own part to make this work. Several of you have been chosen to act as project supervisors, to manage different aspects of the operation, to make sure everyone is doing his assigned job, to make sure that the rules are followed, and so on. The rest of you may head out to the fields to start your first day of work as free men. Day 3 The next morning, Mr. Smith had a grim expression on his face as the daily meeting began. I have an unpleasant duty to do today, he said. Yesterday, Charles was caught keeping some of the cotton he picked, presumably to sell for his own personal profit. That is against the rules. That is stealing. For that, Charles must be punished. Two men tied Charles to the whipping post. I take no joy in this, Mr. Smith continued, but you must understand if we do not maintain order, if we do not have rules that we all abide by, then the plantation will fail and we will all suffer. The whip cracked against Charles' back. But if we all pitch in for the common good, then we can all prosper. Being free doesn't mean you should be selfish and greedy. We must each do our assigned duties and obey the rules, and then we can all benefit, and each of you will receive your appropriate share of the profits. A young man named Samuel stepped forward. But if you and Mr. Jones decide the rules and whip us if we disobey, how is that any different from what we had before? How can you say that, Mr. Smith asked. I'm shocked. You were a slave before, and now you're free. Things still need to be managed and organized by those best qualified to do so. Do you know how to run a plantation, Samuel? Well, no, he answered. But if we're free, why do we get no say in what the rules are and how things work? I'm surprised at your ingratitude, Mr. Smith answered. None of you know how a plantation is run, so you're in no position to be making decisions about how things are done here. You don't seem to appreciate all the things that Mr. Jones provides for you, from protecting you from all the outside threats that you know nothing about, those who would come here, capture and enslave you, if not for Mr. Jones' protection, to making sure that you all have food and housing, tools to work with, that you're cared for when sick and injured, and so on. There wouldn't be a plantation at all, no cotton to pick, no land to plant and harvest, if not for him. 
You should be grateful that he's made possible the level of comfort you now have. Your lives would be far worse if not for him. Nevertheless, as free and equal participants in this endeavor, from now on at each meeting, any worker may have two minutes to ask questions or voice suggestions or complaints. With that, the workers all seemed satisfied and headed out again to the fields to pick the cotton. Day four. I have a big announcement, Mr. Smith said as the daily meeting began. Mr. Jones' cousin is here, and not just to visit and see how our project is coming along. It has been decided that from now on, you will be deciding who will manage the plantation. Of course, this job can't be done by just anyone, but every three months we will have a special meeting at which all the workers will vote on whether we think Mr. Jones should run the plantation or whether we think his cousin, Mr. Johnson, should run the plantation. That means that ultimately you are in charge because you will be deciding which man you want running things on your behalf. If you don't like the way things are being managed, you now have the power to change it. Amazed and pleased, the workers headed out again to the fields to pick the cotton. Days passed, months passed, a year passed, and the plantation continued to operate as before. Sometimes Mr. Jones was in charge, sometimes Mr. Johnson was in charge, but the day-to-day -day routine stayed exactly the same. The workers worked hard, long hours every day and still had little to show for it. Every day the meeting would begin with them all reciting the Jones Plantation motto, we work together as free men for our mutual benefit, pledging our allegiance to the Jones Plantation, which stands for prosperity, liberty, and justice for all. One day, Mr. Smith announced, Samuel is asked to say a few words this morning, and whatever the rest of us may think of his ideas and opinions, we are all free here, and that means we are all allowed to speak our minds. So, Samuel, you have two minutes. Begin. Samuel stepped forward, looking scared. I was excited when all this started, he began, glancing nervously at Mr. Smith and Mr. Jones. But don't you all see what's happened here? Nothing has changed. We're all still slaves. There were grumbles of disagreement from the crowd. They tell us what to do and whip us if we don't. They still make all the rules and punish us if we disobey. They let us make suggestions and complain about things, but they never really change anything. They let us choose between Mr. Jones and Mr. Johnson, but what's the difference? The situation stays the same. We do all of the work and they take as much as they want and decide how much they'll let us keep. They live in luxury made rich by the cotton we pick. We do all the work and have to build our own huts, grow our own food and take care of ourselves. They leave us just enough that we don't revolt or run away. This is not freedom. We're all still slaves. They've only changed the words they use but nothing else has changed. They say we're all free and equal but we're not. They command and we obey. That's not freedom. That's not equality. They say we're free to leave, but all that means is that we're free to be someone else's slave. Why should we work or obey the rules? We didn't agree to this. They made the system. They forced it on us. They control and rob us and call it freedom. They've deceived you into thinking that being able to choose which slave master you'll work for is the same as being free. It's not. Open your eyes. If you keep what you produce, they call it stealing. When they take what you produce, they call it sharing and fair distribution. Can't you see that this is all? Your time is up, Samuel, Mr. Smith announced calmly. At his gesture, two supervisors grabbed Samuel by the arms and led him to the whipping post. I'm sorry, Samuel, but you've broken the rules. There are rules against encouraging others not to work and encouraging others to break the rules. 
You're only hurting all of us with your discontentment and your complaining and your disobedience. The whip fell and Samuel let out a grunt. Without rules, without order, all would be lost. Without law, there would be chaos. We can't just behave as wild animals, each doing whatever he pleases. We must all follow the plan and all do our duty for the betterment of everyone. And those who do not must be punished. The whip fell again and blood flowed freely from Samuel's back. Samuel, it is you who are stealing from the others. When you don't do your assigned work, you are making more work for others. When you disobey the rules, it is you who are endangering the future of everyone else here. You are the thief. You are the criminal. You are the one trying to destroy the arrangement that keeps us all safe and prosperous. At every lash of the whip, the other workers cheered louder and louder, some yelling curses at Samuel. Being spoiled and selfish, you complain about everything, talking as if you're oppressed. But you are the one ruining things. You are the one keeping us from being all we could be. It is your greed and your rebelliousness that is hurting all of us. They all play by the rules, Mr. Smith said, gesturing at the others. What makes you think that you don't have to? You think you're above the law? There were loud yells of agreement as the whip fell again. We must maintain order, Mr. Smith proclaimed, to make this plantation great, to make it so that we can all be happy and prosperous. To have the society we want, there have to be rules. We all have to contribute our fair share to this great endeavor, and we cannot tolerate actions and attitudes that seek to undermine the amazing things that together as free men we have achieved and will continue to achieve. Mr. Jones was smiling as he gave Mr. Smith a pat on the back. The crowd was cheering so loudly that none of them had noticed that Samuel had died. <laughs> what you have been taught about government and politics is no more accurate or reasonable than what Mr. Smith taught the slaves. If you're ready to look through the veil of rhetoric and propaganda to see the reality beneath, get a copy of The Most Dangerous Superstition. It will change the way you see the world. Cool. We'll have to see if we can't do this next Tuesday. I'll try and get the um, whole version, and we'll take a look at it. Thank you so much, uh, Brent. Appreciate that. Pretty interesting. Um, Initially, it was Joe from Oklahoma that brought it to light. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah, we seldom see him, but on Thursdays, but... Who knows? That should be interesting. I wonder if Mike and uh, Cal and DW have seen it. I have to pass the links on to them just for the fun of it. Uh, Mike is usually too busy, but you never know. Anyway, we got about uh, five minutes left. Let's see if there's anything else going on here. Reminds me of Animal Farm. Yeah. <laughs> Cross between Animal Farm and 1984. <laughs> oh, good grief. Some crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, World War III imminent. Both uh, opposition, both inside and outside the U.S. grows. Uh, man. Pediatricians can earn over $300,000 by vaccinating children. Virtual reality now used to increase vaccine uptake in victims. Jeez. Let's see here. Oh, got a little video here. Two minutes. Come 
Uh-oh. Well, what happened to the video? <laughs> hmm. De tirar agulha, tem uma agulhinha. Tem, mas é pequenininha. A mãe tá aqui pra te ajudar. Não quero, eu não quero. Eu já tenho cinco anos. Eu tenho medo. Você gosta de super-herói? Oi! Você voltou! Você voltou! Nossa, eu não posso acreditar! Ó, oh, primeiro o pólen de gelo. É bem rapidinho. Vem cá, peraí... Pronto. Agora o fruto de fogo. Mas, ó, vamos lá. Bem rapidinho. Peraí. Deixa eu pegar aqui. Vai, escudinho. Vai, escudinho. Funciona, funciona, funciona. Ah, obrigada, obrigada. Caramba, filho. O que, que você acha disso? Legal. É a primeira vez que eu vejo em 15 anos da minha atuação profissional com vacinas que a realidade virtual pode transferir a dor em entretenimento. Ele chorou em todas que ele tomou desde que ele nasceu. E dessa vez não. Até achei que ela ia dar um showzinho aqui hoje. Porque quando eu era pequena tinha medo, mas agora não tem mais nada. Oh my goodness. For the folks that are listening to the replay and didn't see the video, <laughs> um, this is sick. They're using VR goggles to put on a kid's eyes so that they don't scream and kick when they're getting a vaccine. Man. So far, Apple has pitched, pitched its upcoming Vision Pro mixed reality headset as a tool for working and enjoying various forms of entertainment. But inside the company, employees have also discussed another more specialized use of the product as a way to diagnose and treat mental health issues, according to people with direct knowledge on the matter. Oh, good grief. But this is virtual reality, the pharmaceuticals cartel dream market to push more drugs and vaccines onto the public. And that's how you sacrifice your child to the vaccine gods, a.k.a. pediatricians. Good grief. Getting sad. Really, really sad. But people are goofy. Uh, and we are out of time. So, I appreciate everybody being here today. And uh, tomorrow we'll have Mike Callan, DW. Uh, not sure what we're going to be talking about, but I know it'll be good. Always is. So uh, that being said, take care of your bodies because it's the only place you have to live. And uh, we will be back tomorrow. Same bat time, same bat channel. 
And until then, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. It's a beautiful, sunny, but cool day here in central Ohio. Hopefully you have some good weather there. Spend some time with the ones you love, and we'll see you tomorrow. Take care, and God bless. God bless.